Hey, Blurds. The following episode was originally recorded on Sunday, September 17th, 2023. Hey, Blurds. It's the HBIC tie in the house. <laughs> and this episode I'm really excited about because I have on one of my amazing friends, Marcus Scott, renowned playwright. I'm calling it now. Um, this is a really good friend of mine I've known since college. He's incredibly talented and I'm proud to be his friend. And today we are going to be talking about theater, theater. So for those of you who don't know, I love the theater. I love going to shows. I love musicals. I love musicals made into movies. I love movies that are made into musicals and then movies that were movies and then they became musicals and then they became movie musical. All of it. All of it in between. Love it all. Um, seen my fair share of shows in New York City and in different cities and of course my hometown Buffalo, New York. Recently just saw the Color Purple, which was Ujima Theater and Shea 710 Theater combined, and they put together this amazing program. And I want to shout out to Karen Saxon, who was the musical producer for uh, The Color Purple in Buffalo that's playing currently. And I'm just really excited to have my friend on, and I'm really excited to get into the ins and outs of theater in the theater world and all that that entails and our love for this this medium so stay tuned for our conversation shout out to my beloved y'all Hey y'all, it's your head blurred in charge. It's Ty and I am here with Shout Out to My Blurred's podcast and I'm excited because I have my really good friend, Marcus Scott, who is going to be joining me in this awesome discussion about Broadway and plays and shows and playwriting and all the things in between um, when it comes to this. So I want to introduce you, but I also want you to be able to tell us about you. So, Marcus, take it away. Who are you? Why are you on my line? What are we talking about? <laughs> well, hi. Uh, we've known each other, geez, uh, like definitely over a decade. I've known you, like, <laughs> yes, uh, as like, I was a kid when I met you. So, <laughs> and uh, but who am I? I am a journalist. I am a playwright. I'm a musical theater writer. I uh, am a poet. I'm an educator uh, working in New York, but I live technically in Weehawken, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, I'm just out here just creating work and, you know, trying to get people who look like us on stage. I know that's right. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to give a brief like little history to how I got introduced to musical theater or, or it doesn't even have to be musical theater to be plays. So I guess just to cover all of it, would shows be the appropriate 
way to cover theater and like music or, or theater. Would I say theater to cover musicals and plays? Is there a certain jargon that you all use to, to cover both? Is there a certain jargon? Yeah, to cover both. Like, because I don't want to just specifically talk about musicals and I don't want to just specifically talk about plays. So is there a way to cover both of them in one I word? Theater. Um, <laughs> okay, theater. Because, uh, yep. Yeah, because if you get into the mechanics, I mean, there are operas, there are plays, oh, that's there are right. musicals, there's performance art, there's uh, plays with music, there's music theater, which is not quite musical theater. It's a whole thing. Wow. Okay. All right. So, for the sake of this conversation, theater. Um, <laughs> so, I remember as a kid, when I was in Girl Scouts, you know, they would take us to go see Christmas Carol. So that was like my first introduction to like, kind of like stage plays and, you know, people talking and stuff. It was very different from the movies, of course, because I'm all for escapism, but there's something different about the escapism you have when you are seeing a live show. And then when I was 13, I was in this like girls enrichment group in grammar school and we traveled to Toronto to see phantom of the opera now that was like one of my first real introductions to that kind of thing um i had never seen anything like that played out on stage and um it was pretty cool and i think that was their way of like giving us you know girls from the hood some culture whatever it was cool and then um but for me what really did it is uh 2002 New York City, uh, around Thanksgiving time, seeing Rent. That was my first show I've ever seen in New York City. And I was 19, so I resonated with Mimi, especially when she said, I'm 19, but I'm old for my age. So <laughs> seeing Rent, and I only saw Rent because I was a big fan of NSYNC and Joey Fatone at the time was playing Mark. <laughs> and so my love for NSYNC and Joey Fatone and well, JC's my favorite, but like kind of introduced me really into like, oh, I, I really like this and I want to keep seeing, um, I keep wanting, I, I want to keep going to the theater. Um, so every time I go to New York, I try to get in a show whenever they got shows happening here in Buffalo. I try to get in the show actually in about an hour or so, I'm going to be on my way to go see Color Purple. So, oh. Yeah, so I want to hear from you. What was your like introduction into theater? When did you like like uh like in Brown Sugar? When did you fall in love with hip hop? When did you fall in love with theater? Okay, well let me just go back a little bit and just say that um the fact that you like JC over JT shows that you have taste Thank in, you. in a musical year. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, even though we stand, we love like. JT, we love his first two albums, particularly yes. with JC had the voice. Mm -hmm. Um how did I fall in love with theater? I uh actually there's a whole story to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a very musical household. Um my family, uh just in general. Um, you know, I actually wrote a recent I wrote a play recently, um, that one of my characters actually kind of says this and it's kind of an admission of like my family. Uh, my family, uh, if they're not deacons, ministers, evangelists, pastors, uh 
first, you know, pastors' wives or first ladies, if you will, uh, if they're not um, in the pulpits or if they're not ushers or so forth and so on, if they're not in the community, they are musicians, they're singers, they're dancers, like we are artistic people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was uh, young, I was uh, I was a, a young actor, um, you know, I, I did a lot of uh, theater, I did um, a lot of musical theater i think i did um i did cinderella uh-huh. and then i did uh the whiz and i played the tin man i really wanted scarecrow but then i realized that like that was a great thing because in the musical version of uh of the whiz they didn't have my favorite song at the time which was you can't win oh wow and it's a, a totally different song so i was like well it's a bullet for that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I did The Wiz and I got um, standing ovations every night that I performed. And I was like, this is, I think this is my thing. Wow. But, um, uh, but what, and, uh, what happened was I was recruited by a uh, small company to come in and do an audition. I didn't know it, but it would be for a show that would go to Broadway. Um, and I, uh, I, for many reasons, I didn't get it, but, um, it was kind of a very difficult thing for me. Um, at that time I, uh, I, you know, my, I was the only one, I went in by myself. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my parents went around, everyone else had like their parents around. There were a lot of like stage moms with their kids. Um, these are kids who were very literate. They knew how to play the piano. They had been, you know, had singing lessons since they came out of the uterus. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I didn't have any of that. I just kind of had my voice and my ability. Um, and um, I sang Let's Go Fly a Kite from Aww. Mary Poppins. And there were kids coming in with singing Sondheim. So, oh, shit. You know, it just was not, it was not for me. Um, so I kind of got laughed out of the audition. Um, and uh, it was very scarring. And so I kind of like stayed away from uh, from plays and so forth and so on. But then as I got older and got to high school, things just kind of kept pulling me into it. Um, and I kept swearing up and down that I was like, I was going to be a writer. Because I had already been, at this time, had already kind of really been bitten by the writing bug. Um, I fancied myself as a poet, then a songwriter, and then as I got older, I didn't know if people could make, you know, money. So I was like, well, I'll be a journalist. And so I was reading, you know, the Rolling Stone and Spin and Blender when these were things. <laughs> and I really got into music journalism. Um, but uh, as that happened, um, and as I kind of got into college, uh, there was a thing of I, I watched the production of Hair mm. um, on the stage. They did a production of Hair at the college, and I remember, like, you know, I really started kind of getting back to acting. I was watching a lot of films at this time, really watching a lot of, you know, going out and and watching, you know, the occasional stage play. But um, it was this uh, announcement and all these people were going and everybody and I was like, oh, that looks like it's going to be a fun thing. But I thought there were like some extensive process that she'd go through. I did not have a song picked out. I didn't know what the, what the rules were. 
and so I didn't audition. And I regretted that <laughs> most of my college career, um, not auditioning. But what I have, what I, so, uh, but what I did do after I saw that production is I became a major. Now, uh, there was a lot I kind of brushed over during that time. Um, I fell in love um, with The Wiz. I didn't know what The Wiz that the Wiz was a musical. I just thought it was a movie. <laughs> but I never, you know, um, I knew there were songs. I knew, you know, I just didn't think, I didn't classify it as a musical. Because to me, musicals were things I hated. I, I grew up uh, knowing that Annie and Ola were, were, were uh, that they were musicals. But I didn't know that The Wiz was a musical. And I know that you would think, well, obviously they're the same thing, but in my mind, the Wiz was like a black movie that like everyone kind of like watched every holiday, every <laughs> cookout, you know. Um, and Annie, Annie, you know, there was a sound to musical theater. There was a, a, a cadence to musical theater that that to me was just very white and very um, just it, it was very polarizing. I didn't feel like I belonged in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to me, you know, musical was kind of like. It was like the poor man's opera, if you will, <laughs> at that point. Um, and it really took me to kind of uh, to uh, kind of really take a nosedive into uh, musicals uh, and into theater uh, when I became a college. Uh, in college, when I became an acting major, so I have a degree in um, communications with a concentration in print journalism and i have a uh, a uh i'm sorry by the way i just want to clarify there is a uh a parade happening outside <laughs> of my window right now so if you're hearing something in the background i apologize that's all um, right <laughs> so i'm a communications uh, uh i was a communications major i had i got an degree uh it was a concentration excuse me in uh, print journalism and then i have a, a degree in theater arts with concentration in acting and i thought i could parlay that somehow into like broadcasting um as a career for that and um and then I learned that kind of like broadcasting is <laughs> its own thing, and it just was not, it had no appeal to me. Um, but uh, as I, I, I became a major, um, and as, as I started to study uh, not just musical works, um, and really kind of falling in love with uh, Jonathan Larson's Rent, mm. uh, that was a kind of, you know, that was really a gateway show for me. Um, I, I, and Doing that and learning like the Spring Awakenings and so forth and so on. Love Spring Awakening. Um, it's a great show, right? right. And so um, I, I really kind of gotten into this kind of and, and hair, like I said before. Mm-hmm. I kind of gotten into this like, um, oh, I want to write like I, I think I can do musicals. I can do like you know I can write one or two. I think I can, I can make it a career or um, or anything like that. But it was my last semester. Um, at, uh, at at college and uh, an undergrad, and what happened was uh, my teacher. Uh, I was taking a playwriting class, and I had I had skipped intro to playwriting. I got in because I had submitted like a um a fifteen or twenty minute uh, play. Wow! And and uh, just just to see if I could get in, and the teacher said I was good enough to get in. 
Um, I didn't understand the mechanics. I didn't get the mechanics of what it means to be a playwright until after that class, until uh, I rolled into grad school. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But uh, I was in that class, and I had written, uh, I was working on plays, and they had brought a teacher in, and the teacher, uh, it was a, a guest uh, artist came in, and um, they were talking about songwriting. And so everyone's job uh, in the playwriting class was to come up, come in with a lyric. It was me and another person. Uh, this person came in like with like one song. It was kind of, it was more like a stanza. Mm-hmm. I could not decide what to bring in, so I brought in three lyrics. And so we spent the majority of that class working, looking through my my lyrics. And my teacher pulled me aside and said, "Marcus, this play that you're working on, you need to scrap it. It's terrible." Oh my god! <laughs> but. What I learned is that you have a really great musical theater voice. And so I kind of worked on what would later become my thesis musical, Cherry Mm -hmm. Bomb. And uh, at this point, it had a very different name. I think it was called like Blackboard Jungle, which I found out later. No, it was called Bad Education, which I found out was a movie. Oh, okay. Omnivar. uh, film and so I said, Ooh, let me change that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I um, I did it, and my teacher uh, we did a reading through of it, and people just thought it was really funny. Like, what was there? They said, There's makings of something here, and if you could figure out what that is, um, there, this could be something big, or this could be something just you know, this could be big for, for you. And so I said, okay, whatever. And it was after that reading, it was like the last class, and my teacher pulled me aside again. Um, and uh, this is uh, Christina Pipa, um, when she was working at school. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for the said, record, what, what school are we talking about? We're talking about SUNY Buffalo State University. Hey, a- okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and uh, go Tigers, go Bengals. Excuse me, why did I say Tigers? Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Because <laughs> you was thinking about the Bayside Tigers. We, t- we the Bengals. Right? <laughs> we the Bengals Tigers. And so, yeah, and so what happened was um, she had told me aside and said, NYU's got this program. It'll teach you how to be a musical theater writer. I think people with that some talent, I think you should consider applying. And she didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that she saw out of everyone else that like if there was somebody who had like a future in theater it would probably be me in that kind of regard yeah and uh and i'm i'm grateful she did i mean i'm in a shit ton of debt (laughs) (laughs) because of it but um but uh i applied to nyu that fall um after moving to new york and there were some things that forced me to kind of move back home mm-hmm. i was only in new york for like three four months but it was like a good thing i just wasn't ready at the time mm-hmm. but i i went i sat in on a class at nyu i talked to the um he is now the head of the department he at the time he was just the assistant wow. or the associate chair and um and uh, i sat down with uh, his name is fred carl uh he's a composer uh, really well respected in musical theater, and um, he had uh, he, and it was a person that he was black. And I was like, black 
people do this. I said, okay, so I don't feel, I feel like I don't feel like an alien about to like attempt to do you know you know sign up for this thing. And I, I literally just kind of signed signed up on a whim. I really did not think I of anything beyond that. I just said, well, I guess I'll just get a master's in this, and if I if nothing pans out, I'll just go to school for something else, and I'll, we can just laugh it up. Um, and so I applied uh, and uh, I got called in to audition. 52 people auditioned, only 26 made it through. Uh, 13 book writers and lyricists called Words People, mm-hmm. and uh, 13 composers called Composers. And so I was one of the Words People. Wow. And I. And I'm, I don't know how I got it through, but uh, something people really resonated with what I was writing and my voice. And uh, for a person who had never written a musical, let alone knew the process of really how to write a song. I mean, I, I was a part of bands and so forth and so on. I had been a part of youth choirs and stuff like that. I had never like really written a musical theater song that had a story. And, uh, and I got it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And I spent two years there, and it was basically like a cult. You're there for <laughs> from sunup to sundown. Um, you are, uh, you know, you're coming in the wee hours of the day, and you are leaving sometimes like deep at night. You're with the same, um, you know, 26, 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really difficult. And a lot of these people, um, were you know a lot of these people had Ivy League educations. A lot of them were trust fund babies, uh, and um, there wasn't a lot of people who looked like me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was constantly um, up against a lot of patronizing um, um, opinions. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I, I really what drew me to musical theater was uh, that it was music and that it was theater. And I thought that like you know. And, there was people who just thought that musical, musicals had a sound. And I never really uh, uh, subscribed to that. But it was there that I um, I found a love for rock musicals. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't know a rent was in rock musical. I didn't know that uh, that Spring Awakening or Hair were rock musicals. I right. just thought that they, they were musicals. I didn't know there were different camps right. of musicals. American Idiot, too. Well, of course, American, American Idiot, Idiot would be one. We yeah. saw that together. Yes, we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, that's right before I got into basketball. Right. Um, and um, and I, just, I just didn't know. I had no idea that those were like, that there are different camps of rock musicals. But it was during the time that I fell in love with. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, that I fell in love with Passing Strange, that I fell in love with um, the bubbly black girl such her chameleon skin, uh, that I fell in love with these shows, Cabaret, Chicago, mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horror, which I always knew was a musical, but I just never put it in the camp of like an Annie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like a good, you know, that was a cool musical. Right. Um, and uh, it was putting these shows, Dream Girls, I fell in love with that as well, you know, putting these shows kind of, and watching what these people were doing, I, my, my goal became to put contemporary radio and underground radio um, on stage because there are a lot of people who just, you know, they 
they thought Billy Joel was the apex of songwriting. And Billy Joel is a master. Mm -hmm. But like, but Billy Joel was not the be-all end-all. Right. There are people who thought that Sondheim was the be-all end-all. Sondheim is fantastic. Also a master. Probably the greatest, you know, musical theater writer to exist. Or, or, you know, but, uh, but at the same time, it's that, uh, the, the music that I, I loved, I wanted to see uh, hip hop. I wanted mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. uh, synth pop. I wanted to see funk and disco and punk rock and alternative rock. And um, I wanted to see uh, alternative R&B and, and, you know, trance music. I wanted to see all these things on stage. Um, things that I thought that were that were happening, you know, that people people go to the club to experience. Why can't we have that and tell a story with those kind of genres of music? Right. And so I always felt like kind of an outsider in that regard. Um, but during those two years, I kind of found my voice, I finessed it, and um, and it really, and I guess to answer your question, how I fell in love with it, it was uh, how I fell in love with musical theater as opposed to just playwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, musical theater became a thing where um, I was working, I, I was kind of forced to work on myself for my uh, thesis. And it was through the process of creating a piece, working on a piece of creating my, writing a book, essentially, with songs, with characters, falling in love with my characters, um, telling a contemporary story. Um, and doing it through music, mm-hmm. that is how I fell in love with musical theater. It was the doing of it. Yeah. Um, because th- th- that came, that was, that, that was first from a different love. I didn't have a, um, while I grew up with, you know, music and so forth and so and musicals, uh, I, th- my, my first love really where it was film, you know, I, um, I grew, I fell in love with that, you know, um, and, and music separately. Um, by taking these two worlds and putting them on stage in this format and kind of learning like, oh, stage plays are not that different from film and, you know, they're different mediums, sure, but like X, Y, and Z. Um, it allowed me to like really kind of like use my imagination and use it in like a space, like use it, in a, you know, um, take a square, <laughs> if you will, a rectangle, if you will, and put people and put and, and set action and tell a story within that. Yeah. And it really uh, transformed the way I thought the, the kind of the um, the possibilities of it. And uh, and there's a there's a kind of a magic that you get when um, you are creating something and people are coming up to you with their tears in their eyes and they're telling you that thank you for seeing me. Thank yes. you for my that um that just you know like that like, otherwise no one would you know would have written for me um and you know really there's something about that that made me fall in love with it and uh because truth be told by time at NYU was not the best <laughs> and uh mm. and uh it, it's it, it, and it could be very difficult for a lot of people in that uh in that um it's coming from where I came from um being in that world being that that echelon um and trying to create a story for yourself and people kind of telling you 
that there's not really space for you. Right. Well, before you get too deep into that, I'm yes. going to take a break and we'll come back because that's definitely something I wanted to touch on is when you're going through the situations where either you have people doubting you or you're doubting yourself or you're putting yourself out there and and it doesn't come to fruition. So we will be talking about that in the next part after the break. Shout out to my blurs. We will be back with my friend, playwright Marcus Scott. Thought I ran into you down on the street Then it turned out to only be a dream I made a point to burn all of the photographs She went away and then I took a different path remember the face but I can't recall the name now I wonder how what's her name has been all right shout out to my blurs we are back with Marcus Scott and we were talking about um just our our entry into theater and and how we fell in love with theater and um and Marcus, you started to get into just uh, some of the kind of letdowns and disappointments. And I just want to speak a little bit on that um, because with with this, with, with doing anything you're passionate about, that you worked hard towards, anything like that, there are going to be letdowns. Uh, you know, I have a documentary, a four-part document docu-series that I directed and produced and edited and it's it's not even done. I still have two more parts and um, but I submitted part two to the Buffalo International Film Festival and it didn't place and it broke my heart because I worked really hard but I was like all right whatever whatever. Then I submitted this very podcast um, to the Black Podcaster Awards for their best blurred podcast category and I found out recently that I didn't get nominated. And it's just like, uh, but it's like success and, and all that stuff. I'm, you know, I know it doesn't come overnight. And, you know, I, I feel like it's important to feel that letdown, to to allow allow yourself to feel those feelings of that disappointment, but then to like keep it going, keep it moving. I would hope that, you know, with what anybody wants to do that disappointment doesn't lead them to just flat out, you know, give up on themselves. Um, even when I think about, and, and the best example I can think of right now, I'm sure there's better examples or different examples, but Lin-Manuel Miranda, for instance, um, you know, Hamilton kind of blew up and became a thing of its own, but that's something that I, I believe he worked on for close to 10 years. And then in the Heights, I feel like he had been writing since high school. And then I know we had mentioned Jonathan Larson earlier and, you know, um, we've kind of seen his struggle play out in the documentaries that are about him and in Tick, Tick, Boom and the movie and the actual musical. <laughs> and so this kind of success doesn't happen overnight. So you know, speak to me a little bit about 
just the process and or how you process going through things, something you're really um, believing in that you're working on and maybe, you know, dealing with disappointments or things not working out or even like others not believing in your vision? Mm. Um, it comes in waves, you know? Um, I have been, officially it's been, I cannot believe I'm saying this, um, but it's been about a decade since I graduated um, from, from uh, grad school. And, um, you know, you watch people, friends get nominated for Tony Awards mm -hmm. and uh, Larson Awards, and um, they win Grammys, and um, you start to think, you know, like, when is it going to be my turn? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you have to realize that everyone's journey is different. Um, Absolutely. A lot, of the friends that I, that I, a lot of the friends that I mentioned had, some of them had a 10-year uh, uh, a 10-year, like, gap before, uh, you know, like, a 10-year gap before me. So, there have been, you know, if I've been in musicals and plays, uh, playwriting for a decade, they've been at it two decades, mm -hmm. you know? Um, a lot of them were working on shows when they were, like, 17, 18. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, um, and these are people who are, you know, some of them are older than, you know, me, some of them are the same age. Um, but these are people who have, you know, and you, you, can, you know, you can't really compare their journey to yours. Um, and, um, but I think that, uh, and I was talking to a friend about this recently, but I think that uh, there is a, um, there's a, re there's a reward or the way I would I would like to, to argue. Um, I just mentioned a decade. Well, it took me a decade to get published as a playwright. This mm. is the first year I've been published as a playwright. Um, and while I am very grateful, it took a decade. <laughs> yes, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, and I, I it's a publication that is um that you can find at various stores around the country so i'm very grateful for that um i it took me um this long really to become a viable voice if you will in theater um i have you know uh in the time uh since um going to school i have written for time out and architectural digest and playbill mm -hmm. um as a journalist and um i've become kind of this uh critic if you will for the community um and that's really great yeah. um but outside of that um as a uh, playwright as a musical theater writer as an opera writer um and i i you know i've had peaks and valleys you know uh, three years ago, if we were talking, I, I would probably give you a uh, <laughs> a a whole you know testimony about how I, it's taking me strength to stand. Mm. Um, uh, and um, but you know things change, and you know, and and they're constantly changing when you're an artist. Last year, uh, one of the uh, an opera that I wrote premiered at uh, 
the the Met. Wow. You know, we had, you know, three sold out shows at the Met. Um, we were on a, on a four city tour. It was sold out across all four cities. Um, I got a, time, a New York Times critics pick. Uh, I got an LA Times critics pick. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh. That's awesome. Know? And I, you know, and that was something, you know, that, that, that opportunity came because I just kind of just happened to say, sure, whatever, like yeah. no problem. Like I didn't know I would be, you know, having, I would I'd be sitting standing on a stage taking a bow with mm-hmm. the cast for an opera that I wrote, you know, mm-hmm. or that I rather that I adapted, um, you know, in front of, of you know, a multi million dollar audience, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and and we are uh you know and, and they're they're giving us a standing ovation. Right. And for I'm oh I'm sorry. Opera. And I was gonna say I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's part of it too, is um, because I had an episode recently where I talked about betting on yourself. I think it was shortly after, you know, I didn't place in the film festival. And I'm like, you got to bet on yourself, even when the people closest to you aren't believing in you. You have to believe in yourself because you never know who you are poised to be in front of. And what opportunities could come from that? So, speak a little bit on the importance of, you know, um, being connected and the connectivity of that community, and how it's, you know, it ultimately helps um, when you are able to kind of shine in front of an audience that maybe you wouldn't have thought that it would have been. Yeah. Um... Listen, I've had, when I tell you, I've had kind of a, like, when I'm looking back, it's, I've had a kind of a crazy career. Mm-hmm. Um, I have interviewed Tony winners. Uh, I've interviewed Grammy winners. I've interviewed Sheila Surprise winners. Um, and um, I've interviewed Academy Award uh, winners. <laughs> nice. um, and, um, you know, you kind of sit there and you think, you, you know, uh, a boy from, you know, Buffalo State University, <laughs> um, a boy from Albany, New York, um, uh, you know, growing up in, in, in you know, the projects, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you would never think, like, you know, these two things would align, but, like, um, but uh, what I would say is that I've always been driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had a hunger. I'm, I, I, you mentioned talk uh, betting on yourself. I am the kind of person where, like, I almost kind of want you to to tell me I can do something. Mm-hmm. If I'll do it out of spite. Yeah. And I'll be good. And I'll, I'll master it because you told me that I couldn't do it. Right. I think that like to exist as an artist, to live as an artist, because it's very difficult. It's very hard. It's not something. Mm. It is not for the week. Right. Um, there are moments where you have no work at all, and then there's moments where work's just coming at you constantly, and you just have to keep balls in the air and juggle. Um, but what I would say is that. Um, the thing that you just have to, that thing really prepares you for those moments. You just have to kind of live in your truth. And there are people yes. who, um, 
they don't live in their truth. Some people would rather just be cool. Right. <laughs> rather, you know, uh, create this, this uh, visage, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of what they want you to look like, this kind of curated um, perfection. Right, because we're living in this moment of you know, instant gratification and everybody wants to get famous off of that one viral video they had on TikTok. And it's like, this is work. This is work because even if you get viral off that one video, okay, now you're going to be expected to sustain that virality. And if you don't have the work ethic behind it, if you don't have the drive and passion behind what you're doing, it's going to fall apart. Exactly. And, I, and it, it takes a level of discipline. Listen, I, I procrastinate like there is nobody's business. Um, <laughs> I think that's an Aquarius thing, but. That's an Aquarius thing. Yes. Aquarius. Yes, um, hey. <laughs> you know, but I, I, mean, I also think that, like, um, I, I also think as an artist, you can't just write all the time. You, tell, you, can't, you, you can't just create all the time. You have to live. You have to. Um, you have to go for long walks. You have to kind of like wrap your brain around something before mm-hmm. you come back to it. So I'm always thinking of the story or I'm always thinking of like what I want to talk about next within whatever piece that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a part of that hunger. I, uh, when I decided to go on this journey, like mom and dad are not going to come and save me. Yeah. Like it is, it is up to me to make opportunities happen for myself. Um, it, I, I have to, I get rejected every day, mm-hmm. uh, between, uh, six and eight times a day, <laughs> 365 days, sometimes 366 days. You know, live here. <laughs> um, I have been rejected on birthdays. I've been rejected on, on Christmases. I've been rejected on New Year's and Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been rejected uh, I was rejected on Labor Day, <laughs> like, you know, uh, and I, all times of night, I've got messages at like the night. Um, and there are times you want to throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, I have gotten, uh, there was a, um, I can talk about it now, but a while back, um, something that really affected me was I was in contention, up, uh, up, for, uh, up for a, uh, a spot on a syndicated television show. Hmm. Um, and um, it was, I would have been a junior writer. Um, I would have made a uh, hundred thousand, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, plus if I had worked on um, a particular episode uh, by myself, that, that, that just that one episode would have been like 10,000. In addition to like my my actual, so this right here was would have been something that would have changed my life. Yeah. Uh, and um, it just hurt. It really hurt. Um, but uh, the the truth is that the person that interviewed me was someone I looked up to. I've I've grown up looking at this looking at this person's work, mm-hmm. um, loving their work, watching all of their films. Um, and that, that in itself was an honor, but also this person liked my writing yeah, and liked what I had to say. And then when I found out why I didn't get the, you know, the gig, it's not because, you know, it had nothing to do with me. Right. Um, And so I, I had to like go, okay, like, you know, and this is, once again, this is three years ago. 
three, four years ago. And mm-hmm. it, it really affected me. It really, I almost, it was a year of like, of, of, I had, a, a, the year before, I had just, I was, productions, uh, readings, workshops, um, you know, really kind of my, my career started to really take off within theater. And, um, and then the following year, nothing had happened. I had gotten little to no opportunity. Hmm. And, and I was just, I was racking my brain of like one year ago, I had X, Y, and Z and nothing is going on. Like what, what happened? (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then, um, and then shortly after that, we got the pandemic and, um, that changed everything. That changed everything. Whew. It was like a reset. I feel like the pandemic was like someone, you know, got like a little pin and they pressed that little button you press when you have to reset a device. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was. But you know what? I'm so grateful for that, that reset. Yeah. Because um, I, you know, we're in a new age of, of whether, whether we like it or not, that's just where we are. With social media, we, we're in a branding world. Mm. And I had to look at that and look at like who is Marcus Scott? What does Marcus Scott want to say as a writer? Yeah. And um and as a as an artist, you know, and um and I kind of during that time I, I started really expanding the kind of stories I tell, uh, the kind of themes I want to explore, and I really started looking at what makes me special. Why mm-hmm. am I different than this person over here? Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, and this is not to drag anyone, but like I, I'm not uh, gonna change my name. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna uh, write, in, you know, write in lowercase letters. I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I'm not gonna uh, go into the world as a character right. I create them you know that's that's my job I, I refuse to be a character mm-hmm. um you know and so that took that that kind of that reset allowed me to kind of like dig into like who Marcus is because I'm, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking I know who Marcus is I, I've been I live with Marcus every day right like no like what do you have to say yeah and and who is your audience and um while I still struggle with that last question, um, mm. because it changes every day, yeah. um, based on what play I write and, and based on who comes to see what I'm working on. But Marcus Scott is a blur. Marcus Scott hey. is, you know, he, uh, he is a, uh, a first generation artist. He is, uh, the first one in his family to go to college, to go to grad school. He's the first one to leave home, mm-hmm. uh, to leave, uh, to, to try to make it in the big city. He's the first one to chase his dream unequivocally. And there are some ups, there are some downs, but, um, that, that is what I had to kind of connect with. And once I made those connections, the stories and the things that I started working on since then are kind of loose and downs. It's, I feel like I'm entering a, a, a new phase of my um, 
and that's just my my artistic journey of my career but i also feel that like uh now is the time if you have not uh seen a play of mine if you have not seen a musical of mine if you haven't seen an opera of mine or even a short play um or even read an article of mine now is the time to get on the ground floor because i'm taking off and i'm taking off soon do it y'all heard him yo thank you for that like what you just said gave me such chills because um i also need to hear that <laughs> as an artist because i think it's so important i'm so glad you did that is to define yourself not what everybody else is saying about you but what the things you know about yourself to be true including your strengths including your challenges including well what are you doing this for who are you doing this for what's your purpose where do you fit in in your life right now are you on the path to doing the things that bring you joy so thank you so much for for saying that so i'm actually gonna go on another break and then when i come back i'm gonna hit you with a couple of fun questions we gonna we gonna um loosen this up a little bit and um i'm gonna have some questions for you i think you're gonna enjoy so shout out to my blurs we will be back We are back. Shout out to my Blurreds podcast. And I have been here with the incomparable Marcus Scott. And um, I'm, I'm, I have a couple of fun questions for you. It's three different rounds. So uh-huh. the first one um, is just, these are questions that you could like kind of expound on. The second round is more of a rapid fire. So if you could try to keep it to like one word answers. And then the last round is like this or that. Got it. All right. So my first question is, of course, my notepad slips down and flips the page. Hold on. (laughs) All right. Who is your most favorite theater performance live or... um, Wait a minute. Oh, who is your most theater? Who is your favorite theater performer? Or what has been your most favorite performance? Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, where are you going with this? And now I'm trying to figure out. Um, hmm. I think in the last, uh, one of the, one of my favorite recent performances i'll just go with recent performances i can't go with all time that will be here all day <laughs> um but um what i will say it's probably it was cory hawkins okay and um he did um he did top dog underdog mm. and he was electrifying in that um so that was that was last year i hate that i missed um, that it was fantastic oh. and if i want to go with like Versus like a performance that like made me cry, it would probably be like, um, oh, I was like, I would say Oz McDonald, um, while she was fantastic in Lady Day, um, I will say that like 
her performance as uh, Bess in Cold Game Bess, uh, where it kind of stands top of me. It was just a really, um, like, the play wasn't great. I think the, like, the revisions to it were great, but she was great in it. And uh, in terms of an actual experience, and uh, it would be, um, what is it called? Um, it would be Indecent, uh, which is by Paula Vogel. That was probably like, one of the best plays I've seen. Okay. Nice. I'm going to have to look that up. You're putting me on because I feel like I like a lot of surface level stuff. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I like the well-known shit, but like the deep cuts are the ones I'm like, ooh. Let me let me look that up. Let me let me I mean, see there's if there's so any things in between. I mean, they're so great. I mean, I, I live in New York. We see great performances all the time. Right. In terms of, like, people, like like come to my mind in this exact moment, that would be it. Okay. All right. Now my second question: Who or who or what would be your dream playwright, actor, casting, or production company? to work with to work with um so i have a play called tumbleweed mm-hmm. and um and my uh one of my one of my friends keeps saying that like hey if it ever gets produced you should have whoopi goldberg <gasps> play the grandmother in your play oh and i was like god. you know what i was so dope <laughs> oh my god I was like, okay, that's like on my list of like, just like bucket list things. Like, get what people are doing your work. <laughs> right, and, uh, she's amazing. And um, yeah, if it was like a, 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 a person to work alongside with, like director, probably George C. Wolf. Like, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's fantastic. Um, he, he just he's just profound. And if there's a playwright that I would love to like either work with or, or, or just learn from, um, it's Simon Stevens. I love Simon Stevens. I think that Simon Stevens is fantastic. Um, I think that he's one of the greatest uh, contemporary uh, playwrights um, there are. Uh, and if we're looking at musical theater writing people, um, I don't know. I, I would probably say like, Musical theater director is probably like a probably like a Bartlett chair just to see how that mm-hmm. will work. And uh, for teams, um, it would probably be you know I'm gonna be so stereotypical, but I feel like no one's doing it like him. I just I would just love to see how it would even work. So I would go with Lennon Melville right there for like composers and and okay. see how that collaboration would work at all, even at all. You're right. All right, nice. All right, so now we're going to move into our rapid fire round. Got it. So try the best you can to keep it to one word <laughs> answer. I'll try, but this question can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> best show that you've seen in the past five years? A Strange Loop. Okay. Uh, your most prized theater possession? Mm. I'm going to go with a gift that I got from a particular someone mm-hmm. uh, who made a, uh, a, a figurine of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he talking about me, y'all. Shout out to Customs by Ty. Yes. I, uh, I, I look at it 
every every day. I it's just something that it kind of um it's a it's kind of a thing of like okay one day I will get to a place where yeah where 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 it wants that kind of that kind of effort. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Um, the most beautiful theater venue that you've been to. Ooh. Um, the Golden Theater. Okay. Where's that and what show did you see there? If you can remember. I saw, I saw Pippin there. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's just, it's to me, it's the right size theater. It's just, it looks great. It's not the most beautiful. The most beautiful thing would be the last gal, mm-hmm. which to me is like the theater. That's where Passing Strange was at. Oh. Um, but um, and so that's probably my favorite favorite. But in terms of like, if I had a show to do, and where would it be? The Golden Theater. Okay. All right. Um, the most overrated um, piece of theater that you have seen? Jeremy Hansen. Okay. He <laughs> died by his performance. Oh, well. The most underrated piece of theater that you've seen. Mm. Underrated. Huh. I would say the Scottsboro Boys. It's a work of genius. Okay. And um, now I have this is like a three part question. Um. In your opinion, what is the best show that has been adapted into a movie? Mm. I see what you did there because color purple. Um, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. It's, it's, it's like the perfect movie musical. Okay. Best movie that has been adapted into a show? Ooh. Probably once. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what show would you like to see adapted into a movie? Wait, pause. Grey Gardens. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Grey Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just remember Grey Gardens. That's the one. So Is... can you repeat that? Wait, the, for the last question? The last question. What show would you like to see adapted into a movie? A show would like to see adapting to a movie. Um, I have a fantasy where Steven Universe gets adapted into a movie. Oh, shit. Ooh. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's already like half there. Like a- <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then Great Gardens was your answer for best movie to show? Yes. Okay, because I was about to say, I was like, I think that is a movie, but then I I had skipped ahead to the first one, the the last question, my bad. All right, and now we're going to play a round of this or that. Uh, matinee or evening show? Ooh. Evening show. I'm sorry, I like to see the whole cast. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, stage door or go home? Ooh, if it, if it was five years ago, this was before the pandemic. I would say stage door, but now it's go home. Okay. <laughs> All right. Broadway or off Broadway? And tell my off listeners Broadway. the difference. 
off-Broadway is where the coolest theater is. It is where you can do something immersive. You can do something that's more performance art. Um, it's, you know, this, uh, the difference is also seating. So off-Broadway is literally um, anything under 599 seats, while Broadway is 599 to 1,000, 2,000, whatever. Wow. It's also location. 40, uh, there are forty-one Broadway theaters, and um, and uh, anything outside of uh, of those theaters. Most of those line Broadway, but some of them are between like Lincoln Center and like Thirty East, I believe. So okay, and then my last one. Well, you've told me there's so many different genres. I put play or musical. But you said there's so many genres of everything. So just what what's your favorite genre of theater? Let's put it that way. Um, well, I became a playwright of necessity. So, um, and but because of that, um, it has kind of honed the kind of the craft that I have now. And also, I feel like plays have more of a um, because we've stretched the form so much of what a play could be. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can do a lot more. Musicals have to adhere to a particular structure. You can do things that make them different, um, but um, uh, you, you know, and, and I feel, and they make they certainly make a lot more money <laughs> um, than plays. Uh, but I feel like like plays, you can, you, you, there's there are so many things that you can. It could almost be a musical, depending on how much work you put into it. Gypsy, by the way, is a musical. Is a is a play. Mm-hmm. that happens to be musicalized it's a you know um for example uh so um i would say a play because it's the foundation okay so that's the best medium all right and this is just a bonus one i'm gonna throw in real quick before we go to break because i just thought about it tv shows that have musical episodes cringe or you like it i mean i like it but my thing is you have to be able to like Know how, you need to have craft. Like you need to know how to write a song. If you're just out here writing, you know, a, a ditty because you think, oh, this will be fun, that's not going to work well. You know, the reason why um, uh, these, the, the reason why these, some of these shows get nominations and Emmys, and the reason why it's become bad that it is, is because you have really good songwriters at the heart of their shows. So uh, you need to have craft. You need to know what you're doing. You need to have songwriters and, and uh, composers and lyricists who know what they're doing to make the episodes work. Right. Like, I feel like, well, so this would be like maybe my top three, but that'll, that could probably change. So I know Buffy did a musical episode that I think was really good. It was, it was a, a, an iconic uh, yes. uh, episode. <laughs> right. And um, Daria <laughs> did a musical episode um, that I that I love. I actually watched that episode recently, I think on YouTube or something. It's kind of hard to find her. She's not, I don't feel like she's streaming anywhere currently. But anyway, that was really good. And then, so Community was a show that I really loved. Um, they didn't have musical episodes per se, but they had episodic episodes that had musical numbers in them. But the one I think would count, they did this Christmas episode, I believe it was season three. And it was, it was, they were making fun of Glee 
<laughs> because they had this glee director who killed the glee club and then he like recruited the study group to um he was trying to get abed to help recruit the, the study group to be to to go to regionals and no one knew what regionals was and um so i would count that as like a musical episode but it was more so like invasion of the body snatchers too as you were yeah. getting all of them indoctrinated so i thought those were good all right we're gonna go on our last break and then we're gonna close out shout out to my blurds marcus scott shout out to my blurts i want to thank my friend my brother marcus scott thank you so much uh for coming on my little rinky dink podcast <laughs> where my tens of listeners you know can learn about i gotta stop being self-deprecated like yes because it's it's important to understand your power and your voice and how to use your voice and I, and I love the way that you use your voice. So um you. you know before we go um did you have any work you wanted to plug and did you have any shout outs and let my listeners know you know what your socials are. Um my socials the real Marcus Scott um that's at Instagram or real Marcus Scott without the, the at Twitter. Um I have other stuff, but those are the ones I use the most. <laughs> um, right now, I have a reading uh, on at uh, Jersey City Theater Company. I am working with Hellfire Theater uh, doing a workshop um, in uh, October 7th uh, at um, The Brick uh, in New York City. Um, and that is... Uh, I'm doing a horror play. It's called There Goes the Neighborhood. It's about mm -hmm. a group of black conservative Republicans um, who face off against a serial killer. Um, I am also working on doing a, uh, if you're on the West Coast and you're listening to this, I have a reading of a wrestling play called Joy Comes in the Morning. That's about a group of women contending for uh, a contract with a major uh sports entertainment promotion company that does wrestling um and like what does it mean to uh have an alter ego what does it mean to be a woman in combat sports and so that's called joy comes in the morning and that's at the road theater nice. in los angeles um and i've got other things going on but those are the two biggies okay well what about tomorrow hold on oh yeah so yes so tomorrow yes tomorrow <laughs> i am doing um, yes, that's that's called Sibling Rivalries. It's a play that I've written, um, that I've uh, written literally right, right, right before the pandemic. And I, it's, now it's kind of, it's, this is really the first time, second time really that I've had it up on speed in front of an audience, um, as opposed to 
be on Zoom, but that's about a group of fraternity members who compete against each other for a fellowship um, that will change their lives. And it's about what it means to be the talented tenth. What does it mean mm. to be uh, connected uh, as people in the Black community? What does it mean to uplift each other? What does it mean, uh, you know? Uh, what is the crap bear mentality and how do we get out of that? How do we move on from that? How do we uplift each other? Um, and so that's at Jersey City Theater Company. Um, yeah, and I, I have, uh, I'm also doing something at the end of the month uh, with uh, Cry Havoc, uh, which is uh, a theater uh, in New York City, and that's a short play I'm working on, um, and that is currently called Carte Blanche, and it's about a group of vigilantes who go out and seek justice. Okay. Uh, so yes. that's what I'm working on. That's amazing, and yes, sibling rivalries tomorrow. I'm very proud of you, and uh, my last question before I let you go is, what would you like to see for the future of theater? Um, before I answer that question, one more thing. Uh, you I can guess. just Google uh, Heartbeat Opera, Fidelio. Uh, that is the opera that I wrote, and that's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Heartbeat Opera, Fidelio. I'm going to do that. Um, and that's on YouTube. Uh, so um, to answer your question, the future of theater, is that what you're asking me? Yes. Um, Right now, I know a lot of people who are leaving the art forms. It's a really hard time for artists across the board, but particularly for writers. Um, with we have the writer strike happening um, in, uh, in across the world, across the nation, um, and it's kind of upended everything um, in in different ways. It's affected playwriting. It's affected screenwriting. It's affecting everything that we see. Um, if you're not familiar with the uh, with the writer's strike, mm -hmm. get into it. Look it up. It's really important. Yes. Um, if you watched a lot of movies and got through a lot of entertainment, we are the people who got you through that because you were sitting there. Someone writes a movie script and someone directs it and it all happens because writers sit down and rewrite it and you mm -hmm. watch and get entertained um so it's really important um but right now things just feel really uncertain I, I know a lot of people who are stepping away a lot of people who are making career trajectories it's a really uncertain time that being the case is that every time something like this happens you get a new group of people who come in and uh and they they just revolutionize what we thought uh art could be mm. so i think that right now we're in a very dark time but um i am hopeful that um myself <laughs> and a lot of other uh creatives are taking this time to not just think about like what we want economically and systemically but what we can do artistically how we can move the needle forward and i think that you're going to see um some things changing music is going to change the way we read books are changing it's changing every day because of technology but i feel like it's changing because people have things to say people are uh, are kind of watching what's going on and they want they have uh this is a very vocal uh, generation, both millennials and uh, Generation Z, and we're very, um, 
we're very active. We're, 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 we're telling people that, you know, we won't be uh, sidelined, that our voices do matter, that the world could be different. Um, and I think that with art, that change will happen. It, it will be incremental because change is slow. But I think that as we go off maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, whenever we've really truly gotten out of this pandemic, if we get through this pandemic <laughs> at all, um, I feel that I am very hopeful that the art that we see and um, across the board, be it theater, be it film, be it television, be it performance art, be it the elastic arts, you name it, we're going to see a transformation and uh, just get ready. That's it. Thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. Um, shout out to my blurts. We are out. Stay tuned for our next upcoming episodes. But I'm so grateful to be able to nerd out with my good friend about something we love. We love theater. And to me, like, you know, when I think of theater, you're like one of the things I think of, like my friend Marcus. So thank you so much i love you and uh break a leg tomorrow of course all right Yeah, I had so much fun in that conversation. Thank y'all for tuning in. And one thing that I want to share that um, me and Marcus talked about offline, because there was a point of the episode where I was being a little self-deprecating and saying, oh, you know, my tens of listeners. Um, and I think it's because I was coming off of the heels of not getting that nomination um, for the Black Podcast Awards, and I was feeling away. And you know, my friend, being the person he is, and in dealing with adversity and being rejected and different things, you know, had to remind me to not talk down about myself. And I guess I want to leave you all with that. You know, before I close out, um, I would imagine, you know, um, anyone who's working towards a goal, whether you are a playwright um or a musician or a podcaster or a writer or anybody who's trying to do anything and you got to submit some work for people to look over for you to get to whatever level you're trying to be at goes through some kind of rejection but it is important to remember who the f you are and even if you go through those moments of rejection to keep pushing and to not talk down on yourself, to not beat yourself up, and to not diminish all your hard work. And so I want to shout out to Marcus once again. I love you very much. Thank you for reminding me of that. 
And uh, I'll catch y'all in the next episode. Thank y'all for tuning in. Shout out to my blurds. See y'all next time.